Hello folks, uh, as we discussed previously, uh, Ramadan is really a big problem in Pakistan. From the time Arab radical Islam, uh, Wahhabism took hold on the country, the social fabric of Pakistan and its laws have been badly molested and disfigured. The Ramadan affect economy in very bad way, uh, which is disturbing to even uh, the world financial market. Social effect of it is even worst, where uh, minorities feel unsafe, people are beaten on the road if someone is found eating even for medical reasons. Everyone is under fear of being harassed and sick and old are under constant threat. This barbarism has literally destroyed the harmony in the country. No one now trusts the country, and all this is so Arab can benefit and mullah and corrupt can enjoy their power. As I said, uh, no Muslim country brings havoc on its poor, sick minorities just for the sake of pleasing Arabs, that we are very true to be their good slaves. Historically, Ramadan started 12 years after the Prophet claimed his prophecy. Even then, or throughout Muslim history, it has never been forced with such mean mentality. Uh, we will discuss uh, later uh, why fasting was regularized after 12 years and not before, uh, a little bit later. But uh, continuing to this, uh, the during Ramadan, hordes of mullahs and middle-class Islamic-controlled educated Pakistanis, who are uh, literally half mullahs, run towards Mecca to perform Umrah, not even compulsory on any Muslim. This has become a social show-off and a big disease. 90% of the smuggled electronics, jewelry, and gifts to sell in black market comes from Dubai and Makkah Medina. Uh, these three places have now become the center of smuggling in Pakistan. 30 years back, it used to be Hong Kong and Singapore because of the duty-free market. But now, uh, no one uh, or very few people go over there. Moreover, billions are lost by Pakistan over and above this smuggling uh, because of the, uh, the travel and the duties of the Saudi government. And we lose over $1 billion foreign exchange for this ritual, which is really makes no sense and uh, apparently is a crime. Revenue and the Revenue Department cannot do anything about it. And the smuggling is so rampant that no one even thinks it thinks about it anymore. In no country in the world, the abuse of trading laws and tax evasion happens like Pakistan. Only in Pakistan, where from history to geography, from sociology to government laws, everything unlawful is allowed. Because GHQ, who runs the country thinking every crime under Islam is okay, because Islam is helping them to make defense colonies, commercial enterprises, and family members can easily migrate to Europe and USA. 90% of military officers' kids have foreign nationality. Foreign nationals were occupying 
the parliament seats with impunity although constitution disallowed it it took 70 years before judiciary became independent due to mass protest against a gsq journal who thought he is the law himself thank god for it now as we discussed about um, <clears throat> the history of uh, ramadan uh, we have to go back to the time of uh, abraham uh, who started uh, the one god religion we call monotheism uh, there was no force rituals at that time only the authority of the leader was important rituals were limited to the family of abraham and others were only supposed to be listen and obey even the average person was not allowed to use the name of god yahweh and if anyone does he will be beheaded this strict use of god created christianity where god can talk to anyone the use of name of god was common then came islam which allowed the name but god cannot talk to anyone except through angels this probably was the idea of powerful arab tribal leaders who used muhammad to formulate a system where they are supreme and the so called god can only work for them that is why actual wars started 12 years after the prophecy to muhammad the importance of rituals like prayers and fasting increased the warriors used by the leaders were supposed to be busy all the time in helping state offensive for arab imperialism during the next 10 years we see historically there were almost 100 attacks on different tribes in a small area of uh, arabia the population was hardly uh, 200000 and there were hundreds of small towns and tribes uh, living around uh, water uh, sources we called oases wherever they were available but when the arab imperialism started by <coughs> tribal leaders started by tribal leaders uh, started then we saw the horrific attacks on peaceful living Uh, habitants of that area and uh, many of them they were kind of pagans many were not following any religion but the only reason why they were attacked because the arab tribal leaders of that time wanted them to be under their thumb and then use them for later imperialism so that is why in islam we see the establishment of these uh, rituals and everyone was <coughs> asked and almost forced to attend it uh, there is a very common uh, hadith uh, which says that uh, prophet muhammad uh, said that anyone who does not come to the friday prayers uh, continuously for four weeks he will be expelled beaten or maybe killed so that was the type of mentality of uh, the leaders of that time that they had nothing to offer to the community but put the whole community under their foot and uh, used them for uh, later expeditions
called jihad. Uh, we'll discuss about jihad on a later time, but uh, at this moment, I just want to say that uh, Ramazan uh, drama need to end or minimize. We need to bring the Ramazan we followed in India and Pakistan for hundreds of years where it was considered as a blessing. The poor were taken care of. Uh, the people, the poor lived, uh, got their zakat money so they can live their life for at least six months. And the society was very uh, loving and uh, understanding was very common. Respect was there. But uh, this radical Islam uh, brought in Pakistan by uh, a stupid journal uh, we know, uh, Ziaul Haq, uh, literally destroyed the country, stopped its economic progress, and now Pakistan is turned into nothing but a big beggar and is under the thumb of uh, Saudi kings or UAE kings or Qatar Amirs and all those <coughs> people who were once begging for aid from Pakistan and India. So think about it. We need to do something about it. We need to go back to the Islam we practiced before 1977. And we need to bring a society which our area is historically known for. We always took care of our minorities. That is why the India was a migrating place for hundreds and thousands of years. Even Arabs migrated uh, many times under duress, <coughs> and uh, India uh, always supported them, welcomed them, and helped them. Now, the way we are running this Ramadan affairs and other religious affairs has actually uh, disturbed every minority in Pakistan, and they all are just looking to get out of that country. And no Pakistani want to live in that country. I mean, how come we come to this position where no Pakistani likes his own country and only has blessing for uh, the holy places, which are literally the reason why we are so much poor and can't do anything positive in our life. Uh, talking about Ramadan and how and why this fasting drama has strangulated the country can be explained by three factors, economy, social control, freedom of corruption. Uh, when we talk about economy, uh, it is uh, amazing that the Muslim world or Pakistan have such a low GDP, gross domestic, domestic product, and low income that it is unthinkable that you can live in this world with such a low income and income opportunities. We make 10% of what civilized world does, and they are not doing any magic. No Allah is helping them. They are just working, working without any drama of religious rituals or mullah control or the corrupt and journal uh, taking most of the benefits from the country and its resources. If we uh, uh, see the countries who are under religious control, we'll see that they're all same like Pakistan is today. Uh, until 1990, 
Pakistan was doing okay, not as good as this, the industrial or civilized world, but at least we were surviving and making some progress. Uh, our GDP was more better than India, and uh, our per capita income was also much, much better. The things changed in 1980 when uh, uh, India opened its market and then the Cold War ended and today their GDP is almost three times than Pakistan. They are the third largest economy in the world and getting powerful uh, day by day because their system is based on the British system, which was left by British in India. The economy is doing good. They have no problem on any religion. They may have some issues, but they are handling it very well. But in Pakistan, the religion has literally strangulated the society, and uh, we don't see any hope. Uh, even in Muslim world, there are only two countries, uh, Turkey and Malaysia, who are doing better, not as good as Western countries, but much better. And the reason is that they are very secular, they are very hospitable, and they have good tourism. And their understanding and friendship with the Western world is very nicely handled, and they are doing very good as far as their GDP is concerned. The reason, because they are secular and they have alcohol and prostitution allowed in the country. That is why they have so many tourists. Now, in Pakistan, particularly mullahs, they have a big problem with alcohol. While if you go to Bangkok or Manila or Singapore or Hong Kong, you will see a lot of mullahs roaming around with prostitutes in their side and then having fun. So this hypocrisy where the powerful and the religious people, they get everything and the poor are denied any opportunity which a tourism can bring, which foreign investment can bring, or which the interaction with the outside people can help them is totally denied by this gang. And uh, the month of Ramadan is no different. Uh, they're rich and corrupt. They go overseas. They go to Dubai, where there are 100,000 prostitutes from Russia and Western countries, and they do whatever they like. They can drink. They can do whatever they do in the inside the house or in clubs or whatever. But in Pakistan, we totally denied, deny any food, even water, to our poor people, and they die in dehydration, the sick people get more sicker or they die. And we just don't want to allow this to our people while the rest of the world is doing okay, uh, keep taking care of their humans and even animals. Everything we see uh, in Pakistan is uh, really in a big mess. And uh, we don't see any hope in the country because the religion has literally uh, paralyzed every part of the economy. Uh, we only see uh, mullahs uh, and corrupts driving pajeros and Mercedes, but the poors 
or can't even afford the bicycle or the motorcycle. For how long this can continue, it's really hard to imagine. The second reason which uh, we consider necessary to look at is the social control via the sin drama. Uh, every mullah has made every Pakistani a big sinner. And they say, oh, you are doing this and you are doing that. You are uh, uh, very proud and God does not like proudness. But for their information, the uh, Arabs, they are very proud. And also, although their, their proudness is fake, but the way they treat Pakistanis can be very well seen how proud they feel themselves. And they discriminate against the Pakistanis uh, in every aspect of life. Pakistanis cannot say anything, cannot do anything, cannot marry their women, whereas all the Arabs, they come to Pakistan and get their wives or go to India and get their little young daughters from mainly from Hyderabad and all that thing. And Pakistanis still think that we are big sinners because we are proud of so much. And then Mullah says that you lie, you take bribe, you do backbiting, you do black marketing, you do this, you do that. And that because you do all this, so you are a big sinner. In the civilized world, there is no concept of sinner. If you break the law, you go to jail or pay penalty. And if you don't break the law, you can lie as much as you like. As long as you're not breaking the law or hurting anybody, you can do backbiting as much as you like. Nobody cares about it. But in Pakistan, the mullah is telling every Pakistani, and even if you see on TV, this is a fake anchors like this uh, uh, Dr. Shahid or uh, uh, this uh, crook, uh, uh, which... Uh, always makes a big drama uh, on Pakistan TV is uh, telling us that, oh, we have to do astaghfar, we have to cry all night, we have to pay money to poor, so you have to, we have to take care of them so God, God can uh, forgive our sins and all that thing. So that thing actually is uh, uh, what is uh, uh, causing uh, Pakistanis not to work in the real way, but waste their time in the religion and forgiveness and this blah and that blah and all that bullshit. Uh, it is time that we can get out of this. Pakistanis are still the best Muslims in this world. We have great people. Our past is excellent. It's not as barbaric as Arabs. We take care of our people until 1970s when the Arabs were very poor. We were even taking care of them. And, but after when they got the oil and they started infiltrating and creating these uh, hooligans, and then after a one war, when they almost took over the country, when I say almost took over the country, we have seen that even the Supreme Court were discussing a case. We had four Arab mullahs sitting in the back bench watching what these people are doing. Can you imagine, I mean, a country of 200 million people and atomic power is at the mercy of these Arab hooligans and they are just treating us like, like dogs, 
as one of the Saudi mullah once said. So this need to stop. We need to get out of this uh, fasting drama and we need to get back to civil way of living. The third thing which uh, Ramazan does is the corruption. We see the most corruption in Pakistan in this month, whether it is uh, black marketing, hoarding, uh, whether it is uh, uh, price gouging, whether it is uh, faking, or it is uh, taking the money out of the poor and the middle class for no reason. This Zata Zakat deduction is totally stupid. It does not work. It goes in the pockets of mullahs because in Pakistan, the, the recipients of zakats are classified as poor, needy, and the student of the madrasa. So that under that pretext, we have seen 70,000 madrasas in Pakistan because the, the mullah thinks if he has 10 students, he shows 20 and get money from the zakat system. And that way, the zakat, the poor, the needy, they hardly get any money. This need to stop and we should go back to what we were doing before 70s, before this uh, Badmash uh, General Ziaul Haq came that the rich and affluent were taking care of poor people in their community they, by themselves and very silently without telling anybody. So everybody was getting a little bit, little bit of anything. People were being helped and they were running lives for a few months. So we need to do what we used to do so we can go back to the time of the 60s where these mullahs were under control, they were in their mosques, and the corrupts also there were plenty. But now in the modern time, we can expose those corrupts. We have uh, information technology where we can take the issues in the media and we can take control of this corruption little by little. This cannot be done overnight. It will take two generations to get Pakistan back to its feet and then hopefully we can survive as a country. Folks, uh, as is evident from previous posts, the biggest threat to Pakistan is internal, not external. And the grave of the future of Pakistan is being dug by none other than Pakistani government controlled by corrupts and Islamic-minded elites who are taking full advantage of the religion. They are misusing it to the fullest and keep giving the same poison under different covers. Under one pretext or the other, over the head of nation, they have always used Islam to fool people. Historically, the purpose of religion is, in the world, has been to create a peaceful, viable society, defending the interests and respect in the world. Religion has been used to bring people together in times of crisis and help everyone. In Islamic history as well, we have seen warriors using religion to raise armies, expand boundaries, and establish working relationship among minorities and majority. No time in Islamic history 
we have seen such a pathetic use of religion like Pakistan to harm minorities and women, burn them alive, stone them to death and make them so unsafe that everyone wants to leave the country. We see in Pakistan today, we see 7th century barbaric inhuman laws forced on the country by a thug journal, Zia, who wanted to prolong his rule as long as possible. And all these laws basically violate UN Charter and even its own constitution, created in 1973. Due to the induction of Islam, uh, the constitution has been totally uh, made unconstitutional and has been totally molested. And this barbarism has totally engulfed the nation and changed its character beyond recognition. What can be done to bring Pakistan back to civility? Answer is nothing. But as most intellectuals will talk about it behind closed doors, we can also suggest following. Number one, ban all rituals as on government level. We are sick of top officials and presidents asking for forgiveness from an imaginary Allah and giving wrong message to nation that we are sinners and coronavirus is, uh, has come to us because we, our women, are wearing uh, jeans and uh, revealing dresses. It's a tragedy that so-called liberal prime minister, who is an ex-playboy, sits silent when a drama mullah Jamil suggests that wearing revealing, revealing dresses is the reason of pandemic and Allah's anger. How tragic that the most powerful uh, person of the country sits like a goat instead of raising hell to protect women's rights and their dignity. I wish the mother of Mullah Jamil had used condom throughout her life and we will be saved from idiots like him. Number two, ban Hajj and Umrah drama like Egypt did in 1950s while they found out that they are losing a lot of foreign exchange and they can't afford it. We are under loan up to our nose and Hajj is not even obligatory of, of a obligation of, of the nation who is uh, part of a nation state we call Pakistan. No Pakistani should have the obligation of doing Hajj because this is he's not living under Islamic uh, uh, world but a nation state. In nation state, the interest of the person is not important than the nation itself. It is not a tribal time when an individual is important and his income is counted. If rich people in Pakistan will pay taxes, as done in civilized world, they will have no money to waste on Hajj drama. Hajj by air travel is totally illegal and immoral. 
the hajj is to be done by rich people who are healthy the only transport they can use as per so called sunnah is camel the hajj expense is so high and so much money is made by arrogant and barbaric saudis that it has become immoral and illegal in 1970 hajj expense was 5000 rupees per person today 6 to 800000 rupees and rampant smuggling is done by these hajis if they will be doing this in civilized world all of them will end up in jail and pay heavy fines on top of that they bring filthy water from mecca rich in arsenic the zamzam water is no more from the well it is treated 10 miles away with god knows which chemical and then provided to hajis historically mecca itself is fake because abraham lived 900 miles away from mecca and he never visited that area it was impossible to travel in his time to a place which was totally desert and there was almost no one living there except few tribes and then the claim that he left his infant kid from his slave girl is unimaginable it will take him 6 months in those times to drop his infant kid in mecca from the place which he was leaving which is known as canaan in palestine the fact is mecca came in the world map and history in 200 AD 2000 years after abraham we will explain this drama in detail in a different podcast but for now pakistanis should read the history of mecca and enlighten themselves and then figure out how these mullahs keep telling them that this is a place god made as his first house there is no way the jews deny it the christians do not accept it and the history tells us the otherwise number 3 proud to be a pakistani whose history whose history is more than 10000 years old the time when arabs were jumping on the trees you are the best of the best if you can get rid of your complex with arabs and keep away their dallas we call mullah who all what who all they do is lie and lie and lie we are not sinners like mullah tells us the worst sinners were the 7th century and earlier barbarians and even later arabs who were killing people indiscriminately called qatal fi sabilillah which isis was doing in just few years back girls were raped minority women sold for money slavery was rampant and their genitals would be slashed to make sure they have no sexual relationship with their household while under holy cover they impured every family they can put their hands on the main source of income of those people was plundering we call it in urdu loot kamal and taking others women 
property, livestock, even kids as slaves. This this barbarism today, and we saw what the world did to ISIS. If U.S., Russia, and Europe were back then, Arab barbarism will not see a day of light. So we have to take out all the fake history created by Arab slaves, writers like Nasim Hijazi, Modudi, and and the ideology which Iqbal printed presented. The nation is suffering from what Modudi and Iqbal ideology did to country and how three generations of the nation have been made mentally mute. They are unable to think anything outside the box or outside the Islam. If they do, they are beaten on the road. Corona has provided a great opportunity to prove Mullah gang totally wrong and their ideology baseless. The so-called holy places are empty and have been the reason of virus spread over there. We can use this epidemic to stop the downslide of economy. Oil is, is, a, is has record low prices. Hajj and Umrah drama can save Pakistan over $6 billion. We can send mullah home or limit them to mosques. Nationalize every mosque. Stop the smuggling and drug they are involved in. Stop the child molestation and little girls rape. These mullahs have are, have done so commonly. They their terror. They create terror terrorism and terrorists. And their support of terrorism has created most innocent poor kids blowing themselves away and and killing people. Ninety nine percent of terrorists can came from these madrasas and mosques. They were supported by Saudis until 9-11, but they still used them to blackmail the country, so much so that military officers are recorded on video paying TADA allowance to mullah, mullah gangs when they paralyzed the capital under a stupid pretext of lost prophethood. We will discuss this baseless issue in later podcast. Number five, Supreme Court, if it is independent, should take up sumoto note action on the inhuman uh, barbaric Islamic laws forced on Pakistan by dictator Zia. These laws only work for corrupts who can kill with impunity and the Islamic law allow them to go scot-free. The blasphemy law is the worst, no no. No relief can be put, can be possible under Islamic laws to women and minority. The religious authority established under these stupid laws called Council of Islamic Ideology even disallows DNA test to prove rape and demands four bearded witness. How the rapist will rape a woman with four mullahs watching? How could this be of any common sense? But because Arabullah was created during 7th century tribal times, Allah was also not knowing everything except what is told to him. The end of Ramadan 
under government patronage as uh, Ramazan and Ramazan Act should be totally taken out. It is the key for survival of Pakistan and our great Qayyad never fasted and prayed. Even Eidi, the best Muslim ever lived, was under should should we, we should follow him and uh, he, ne he never went to Hajj as far as I know. The host, the, the best Muslim ever lived, we can look it up to, is definitely Eidi. He tried to save Pakistan instead of enriching barbarians. He did everything in his life for almost 60 years to tell Pakistanis what they are and what they should do. But nobody actually attended to him. And the only thing was that government gave him the official burial. I mean, what a sad moment that was, that the person who was never given any attention by government or any legal authority uh, has been given uh, official rest and peace. Damn. Folks, if we look into the reason why Pakistan uh, followed the wrong path after 1970 and self-destructed itself, uh, we can see that um, Islam is uh, one of the main reasons which uh, economically, politically, and culturally weakened it. Uh, and we see today a country which is uh, totally decimated. Uh, the population is in absolute desperation, and the culture and the economy is uh, really at its worst. Uh, generally, we will find... Um, uh, Saudi started uh, Wahhabism behind it because after uh, the uh, before and after the Afghan war uh, the Wahhabis brought uh, the criminals and uh, the convicted uh, people into Afghanistan through Pakistan and they made Peshawar or Islamabad their headquarters. They systematically infiltrated in Pakistani elites and uh, they literally controlled Afghanistan and Pakistan. Osama bin Laden uh, was told that he is the Mujahid of Islam and everybody should follow it. That's why uh, even after 9-11, 60-70% of Pakistanis thought that he was a very good person, was doing the right thing without knowing that he was particularly, especially sent by Saudis to Afghanistan to take over that country. And also, he, when he was in Peshawar, he was literally controlling a lot of mullahs and madrasas and spreading uh, terrorism. Uh, hundreds and thousands of people were killed and the Pakistan went to the wrong way. Uh, we used to be the uh, in the good books of Western countries. We used to get uh, very good investment and um, technological improvements were made. We used to get a lot of aids and uh, help in agriculture 
where the agricultural production of Pakistan almost tripled until 1970. And that was because of the Western technology in uh, agro-based uh, industries. So what actually really happened, um, we need to look into different attributes of Islam. And we thought it's a good idea to talk about uh, Mecca, which uh, I feel is the main reason why Pakistan is in such a big trouble today. If we talk about Mecca uh, and look into the history, uh, we will see that it's uh, really uh, a valley which uh, has been totally molested by Saudis and has been changed into a nice religious uh, ritual place to a commercial metropolis where hundreds and thousands of uh, visiting uh, hajis uh, are die in a stampede, in fire, and uh, whatnot. And uh, Saudis do not take any responsibility, and they just say, oh, this is the will of Allah, and these people are shaheed, and then dump them in the pit using bulldozers without any ritual or respect. I mean, this humiliation of humans is really never been seen in human history. If, 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 if any such incident happened in the civilized world, uh, this place will be totally closed forever. But uh, Islam and its agent mullahs have presented a totally fake and uh, uh, homemade uh, picture of uh, this. Uh, city, uh, which is totally uh, unforgotten of its uh, real uh, value in history. Mecca is basically uh, uh, is a valley uh, and uh, home to Quraysh uh, from uh, uh, almost uh, 2nd century AD. It was a tribe which uh, probably migrated from somewhere in uh, in the north, Mesopotamia or some other area. Before that, it uh, was uh, controlled by a Yemeni Christian tribe. So the area in around Mecca was uh, basically all uh, tribal areas, and the tribes used to fight a lot for supremacy. So the Mecca was uh, kind of became a place of peace where uh, a month uh, was dedicated uh, for, for no war and people used to come and do trading and whatnot and uh, it was a pretty good place back then. Uh, then, it, then Islam came and uh, it still continued with up and down. A uh, lot of uh, struggle and fighting happened to control it to overpower the other tribes. In the process, it was destroyed, Mecca in particular, many times in the interfighting. And uh, the area still survived for 2,000 years. Uh, if we read the history, we'll see that in every 100 years, there was a trouble and fighting in Mecca or around it, and a lot of people were killed. So in the Arab tradition, which is basically a tribal tradition, 
the fighting never stopped they were fighting before islam they they started fighting more after islam but the city went on and uh, stayed uh, overall peaceful the it was it was until the saudis took the city and then uh, using their crooked wahhabi faith uh, they started destroying its history its uh, culture and uh, its uh, overall look uh, the majority of the uh, muslims they protested and were very angry on what saudis are doing to their city but for saudis making money was more important than keeping the uh, mecca as historically it was uh, most of the f- uh, old buildings and the graveyards were uh, holy people or some uh, uh, companions of the prophet muhammad uh, were laid down or uh, they had their graves they were all demolished under the crooked wahhabi faith and uh, their claim that it is uh, bidat uh, bidat means like variation or change uh, against the sunna and quran 90% of the muslims all over the world uh, were very angry on it but uh, the saudis were because saudis were doing the best bidat by converting a religious place to a commercial outpost just to make money for themselves and the family of the king the soul of image of islam totally changed from then on then came the oil boom and billions of dollars free money of saudi gang for saudi gang who claimed it to be the reward of their great governing by allah they used 2 to 3% of that all revenue to build mosques spreading their radical sect and supporting the gang of mullahs uh, all over the muslim world and uh, they contributed billions to create a new mosque even in west in america over 1500 mosques were built by saudi money and then they put uh, their uh, mullah on as a leader which uh, controlled the local community and uh, spread and uh, the uh, radical islam which uh, they uh, used all their life they hijacked uh, every country using these mullahs they funded wahhabi terrorists who created havoc almost in every muslim country even the highly educated muslim elites were influenced by this uh, faith and uh, because and they they were actually uh, went the wrong way and uh, using uh, some of the ideology of uh, <coughs> iqbal and modudi uh, radical mullah uh, who never went to any madrasa or any college never did a business but was acting as a foot soldier of arab uh, hegemony and uh, uh, drama uh he died but uh, the type of generations we had in pakistan uh, because of the zia ul haq uh, the most stupid journal the country has created and who sold the 
soul of the country for free to Arab political Islam uh, was the reason why even the intellectuals were in favor of those actions and uh, lots and lots of them supported Osama bin Laden and uh, other terrorists uh, just because they thought that he is doing the work of Allah. Now coming back to Mecca, uh, the, from 1970 the Mecca has turned into a killing field where hundreds and thousands die every year and are buried in sand with bulldozers without any ritual and retribution as I said earlier. Uh, in Wahhabi faith, uh, th there is only one thing more imp most important, and that is the Arab superiority. And uh, the Arab superiority uh, worked very well with the way the Saudis ran the Muslim world after uh, getting free petrodollar. So what we saw in Pakistan after uh, Afghan war and uh, the <coughs> uh, mushrooming of uh, religious madrasas that the majority of the country uh, fell into uh, radicalism, uh, the hate among the uh, different groups, uh, calling Shias as kafirs and uh, other uh, Shia-affiliated or Shia offshoots shoot, or like Aghanis and Qadianis and uh, uh, Boris and all of them were called uh, kafirs. And uh, without knowing the history of Pakistan, that these people were the reasons who created Pakistan. So they ultimately, uh, the, the Mecca uh, became a place from where these uh, terrorists uh, either uh, started or converged at uh, annual rituals. They used to, most of them, as I said earlier, are smugglers and they make a lot of money and uh, this way they were able to uh, control the poor people of Pakistan. Mecca used to be a very low-cost, hostile place before 1970. As I said earlier, the cost of Hajj in 1970 was about 5,000 rupees, but it went up to as much as 800,000 rupees now. And it has turned into uh, like a downtown London, and the hotel prices and all that makes it almost impossible for poor men to go Hajj. The most of the people who go Hajj are they fly, which is again uh, not uh, uh, allowed in Islam, because in Islam you can only go to Hajj on camel or on horse. It was the Sunnah and the tradition of that time. You cannot make any innovation. If you are going by air, you are already doing bidat. But for Saudis, these kind of bidats which make them money, there is no problem. Uh, these bidats are good and they are making billions. That is why after Hajj, they go to Bangkok, Philippine, Manila in droves and have fun over there. Uh, the largest number of flights in the world uh, go from Saudi Arabia after the Hajj season and uh, for, for reasons that they made so much money 
and they want to have some fun. They want to drink and uh, do prostitution and do drugs and all that because they can't do it uh, in their own country. Okay, when we uh, talk about uh, Mecca, uh, we'll see that uh, the Muslims are told that the um, house of Allah was built uh, by Ismail. And this is the first house Allah built, which is again very funny claim because uh, the Mecca is only 4,000 years old and this world is billions of years old. So if there is a God or Allah who made this world, he would not wait for billions of years to make his house. And then when we see that whether uh, this uh, house called Mecca was built by Ismail and Ibrahim, it uh, historically it is not possible that this is that this could be done by uh, father and son. Father at that time was ninety years old, and son was only infant. And when we look into um, the history map, we'll see that uh, there was no Mecca at the time of Abraham. If we uh, further see. Uh, in the history, we'll see that the Abraham, uh, he moved, he used to be in the area we call Mesopotamia, uh, which included uh, uh, countries like uh, Iraq, Syria, uh, Jordan, Turkey, and Russia. And so he went through these countries in his 60, 70 years of travel, traveled about 3,000 miles, and then went to Egypt, and then stayed there for a while and came back, and then stayed in Canaan, an area in Palestine, which he said God has told him that this is the place I promised you. So if uh, one day his wife gets angry and tell him, uh, okay, the reason before we go that, uh, because Ibrahim's uh, wife could not bear him a child, so she gave him uh, a slave girl whose name is Sarah, who got pregnant. Uh, and Abraham himself was very uh, amazed by that. But uh, when he started giving time to his slave girl, his real wife, uh, Hagar, was uh, <clears throat> not happy. And then uh, she got pregnant. And then she became jealous and then one day ordered Abraham to throw away his son and his slave wife. So when he, so he went to a desert uh, and then threw them away alone, all alone. Now the, the, the Muslims will say that he threw the smile son away in Mecca. Now, if we know the world map, we will see that Mecca is 800 miles from Canaan, the area where Abraham lived when he was 80, 90 years old. So how could he take his son and his slave wife, travel 800 miles and leave them in Mecca? This is all made up. This, this thing does not match. This is totally fake and has been made by Quraysh of Mecca just to authenticate their position and make money out of it. Because there is no way 
that Abraham will travel 800 miles with an infant and then uh, tell them, okay, you are on your own. First of all, this does not look like a prophetic action, but even it happened. Ibrahim had hundreds and hundreds of miles of desert around Canaan. The, the, the most famous desert uh, is where he passed through and went to Egypt. So it is impossible for him to drop his son. And then his son uh, rubs his feet according to Mullah tradition and then the water of Zamzam comes out. I mean, this is another unbelievable story. But uh, unfortunately, no Muslim intellectual or so-called educated people uh, would like to look into it and see what are the real reason behind these kind of claim about Mecca. We'll see that these are all fake. There is no way a small kid can create a, a mountain fountain. And if we look all around the world where we have these kind of valleys, the wells are very common because when it rains on the mountain, the water goes in the ground and then the well can be dug out. So the, in that case, this is totally fake that the Zamzam, which they call the holy water, is actually created by Ismail because Ismail never came to Mecca. He could not. It's impossible that he, the little chick, infant child, can travel to 800 miles or his father can travel to 800 miles. So we'll uh, see in the ne next uh, podcast all the so many claims about Mecca, which are all made up and totally fake. See you later. <laughs>